0: Parshat Kev. without David and Jeanette here, the service is cruising right along, out of control, and so we might be done a little bit early, that's just more time to do a little fellowship, amen. Well, this week, of course, we're cruising through Devarim, um, Moshe continues to emphasize the importance of Torah. Because looming in the back of his mind is the thought that the people will become prosperous and fall away from the Lord. We're going to begin reading in Deuteronomy chapter 8 is where I'd like to start. Uh, My little thoughts this morning. I don't have a page number for you, but I get the feeling most of you guys can handle finding Deuteronomy chapter 8. 181 for those who are really need it. Devarim, we're doing around chapter 8, verse 11. Begins, take care that you do not forget Adonai your God by not keeping his mitzvot, ordinances, and statutes that I am commanding you. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and lived in them, And when your herds and flocks multiply and silver and gold multiplies for you and all that is yours multiplies, then your heart will be haughty and you will forget Adonai your God. He brought you up out of the land of Egypt from the house of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness, fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought forth water for you from the flinty rock. He fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know in order to afflict you and test you, to do you good in the end. You may say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand has made me this wealth. Rather, you are to remember Adonai your God, for it is he who gives you power to make wealth, in order to establish his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Moshe, this isn't the first time he talked about this. Several times in uh, Deuteronomy, he rolls over this, listen guys, you can't forget about God when you become prosperous. That message is there over and over, because the people are going to enter the land, things are going to go really well, and then they may forget Adonai, and then the circumstances are going to change, not for the good. When the people follow Torah, things went well. When they did not, things didn't go so well. The books of Judges that Chris has been going through, and the books of Kings, you read through 1st and and 2nd Kings, there's many examples of this, cycles over and over and over of this happening, wickedness, repentance, back to the good times, the study of social cycles is an interesting one. It's a field of study, thousands of years old. I find it interesting to look at the different models um, about how society cycles through. Some people suggest it's generational. When you read in the book of Judges, it seems like it goes in about 40-year segments. The book of Kings, sometimes those cycles seem to be a little bit longer. But anyways, there's common themes on these social cycles, the way just societies kind of handle themselves. There seems to be uh, a, like f- four parts to it, depending on what model you'll look at. There's a period of increase, or the good times as we call it, right? Increase, things are going really well. Then it kind of flattens out, sort of stagnation. There's still good times, but then there's signs of trouble, there's cracks in the foundation. Then it starts to slip down, society becomes very divided, there's a time of crisis or chaos, and there's a lot of conflict, many downward trends, things are looking pretty bad. Then there's a transition time, a time where it bottoms out, sometimes there's a depression, sometimes there's destruction, and then there's rebuilding. Then the rebuilding just leads to good times again, and the cycle goes over and over. I've uh, thought many times about this model, and I've, in my head I've applied it to modern times. I've come up with a theory about our generations we have in this little model. I can see that the baby boomer generation was the model that really started the increase, the good times. All the other generations I'm going to offend in the next couple minutes. It was Generation X. I'm a part of Generation X. I'm on the young end of Generation X, born in 1976. But Generation X, <clears throat> overall, I think, while there are some shining moments in there, was a bit stagnant and developed the cracks we see in society. Everyone loves to pile on the millennials, the next generation, right? The millennials are really just carrying on the work that Generation X started. My generation. It was my generation that produced the millennials. So before we pile on the millennials, sorry, honey. Amber, my wife's a millennial. Well, Generation X. So Generation X has kind of seen this thing crack, and the millennials are really just breaking these cracks wide open. In my theory, there's a time of either bottoming out and growth or picking up the pieces, and this is Generation Z and the following. These are either, we're talking grandkids now at this stage, um, because I just kind of see that cycle happening. These, uh, As much as the millennials irritate Generation X and boomers, Generation Z and those following are going to irritate the millennials just as bad. It's all a cycle. It just happens that way. It's going to take a little bit to get there, maybe 10 years in my head. It's just a theory. I'm no prophet. But I'm just not sure how many cycles mankind has left before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Certainly, I believe, with the establishment of Israel as a nation, the Jewish people being brought back to the land, human history has entered into a new phase. Many parts of the world right now are experiencing war and famine, oppression under corrupt dictators, but all things considered, we here in America still enjoy a good helping of prosperity. Yes, there's injustice. Yes, there's corruption. But we live in a country where everyone, on average, has more blessing than anyone else living on this planet. And it seems to me that there's a little bit of forgetfulness that happens when we have this much prosperity, in general, as a society. Our society is trending towards that forgetfulness, that is warned about in scripture and our personal lives have cycles that are just like societal cycles it's the same thing in one's personal life many of us can probably think back into our lives and recognize turning points that delineate certain eras in our life times of great growth times of stagnation times of destruction For myself, the uh, last cycle was about a decade ago when I really, that path of discipleship that included implementing Torah into my life, when that happened, that really uh, started a really good season in my life, I felt of uh, rebuilding and um, just good life. The message has always been there, this message of Torah, we read it today in Devarim, but it's always been in my Bible, I've read it many times. Growing up, not as much as I should have, but I read it. But uh, extolling these virtues, I was always taught that this was something I was freed from. These, uh, you, I would read the Old Testament and I'd be taught, you know, that's, uh, you've been freed from that, which is strange when you really think about it, because number one, you really can't be freed from something that you weren't under in the first place. But be that as it may, after contemplating these words, what we read, and how it's a blessing and things that would go good for you, why would somebody really want to be free from that anyways? There needs to be a cohesive. When I realize the message is cohesive and consistent from Genesis to Revelation, about Torah, that's when the new cycle started for my life. For example, let's turn to Devarim, Deuteronomy chapter 8. You should be pretty close if you still have your Bible open. This message of Torah is consistent all throughout. This is a great example of it. Got to flesh it out a little bit. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. We'll just read one verse here. You are to take care to do the whole mitzvah. This is the Tree of Life version I'm reading from, which most of you are reading from. You are to take care and do the whole mitzvah that I am commanding you today. We'll just stop there. Now, if you have a NASB or a King James Version, it'll start out, it'll say you are to, it's talking about the commandments. You're supposed to, these commandments that I give to you today. And that English word commandments is in the plural. However, the word here in the Hebrew is mitzvah when you read in the Bible and Torah and it talks about commandments and statutes and ordinances, they use a variety of words. They'll use Torah, they'll use Hak, they'll use uh, mishpat or Torah. I mean, there's a handful of them that they'll use right here and in several other places in Torah. Just like this, it's the word mitzvah, and that's in the singular. the NASB and the King James, they put an S on the end of commandments. This is important for my point here. My point here is it doesn't say mitzvot. Mitzvot is the plural form of mitzvah. It's saying this mitzvah which I'm commanding you today. Moshe repeats this several times. So he's using the singular word mitzvah to represent all of Torah and the commandments. It's the idea I'm trying to uh, get, get a hold of here. Elsewhere, not just in Torah, the idea of mitzvah representing all of the Torah is in a few other places as well. Turn, I have a page number for you here, turn to page 713. This is Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, and it is going to be chapter 6. Proverbs 12, Proverbs 6, let's see, where should I, it's always tough to figure out where to start reading because so much of it is good stuff. Maybe I'll start in 20, just because I got a little time. My son, keep your father's mitzvah and forsake not your mother's teaching, bind them on your heart continually, tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you, when you lie down, they will watch over you and when you wake up they will speak to you for the mitzvah is a lamp Torah is a light and corrective discipline the way of life now here you have it there in verse 23 it's emphasized in a couple of different ways number one the word mitzvah the word mitzvah here is again in the singular representing all of Torah. And then this verse is constructed in a poetic way. It's a parallelism so that, you know, it's linking a mitzvah and Torah there. That's a common, uh, you know, way that uh, scripture is written is uh, in a poetic form, and that's a parallelism. And you see that in 23. For the mitzvah is a lamp torah is a light there you can see the parallel there linking mitzvah and torah Um, it's a way of referring to all the commandments in torah when they say mitzvah and this is something that every israelite would have just known that's just how they spoke it's how they wrote it's from the times of moshe through the times of king solomon writing proverbs this was just how they understood the Torah. Sometimes they just talk about the mitzvah, and that's understood to mean that's the Torah. And so it's embedded into them, and that train of thought rolls right on in through the first century. Turn to the book of First Timothy. This is on page 1156 in the Bible you're reading, the Tree of Life version there. 1 Timothy, first Timothy, right there. First Timothy chapter 6. <clears throat> we'll begin in verse 11, perhaps. I'll start there. Yeah, yes, we will start there. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But you, O man of God, flee from these things... And pursue righteousness, godliness, faithfulness, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life. You were called to it, and you made the good confession for it in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you before God, who gives life to all things, and Messiah Yeshua, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate, To keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Right there, that verse 14. To keep this command. He's not talking about a singular command there. He's talking about the mitzvah. When he says to keep this command, he's meaning that that's what's hardwired into these guys' heads is Torah. The New Testament hadn't been collected yet and put together. What they read every Shabbat what we read about in the book of Acts where there Paul's going from place to place to place and what when it talks about Yeshua as was his custom was in the synagogue. What they were reading, of course, was Torah. This was hardwired into their heads and here Timothy's being encouraged by Paul to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. This is encouragement for him to keep Up with his uh, Torah life I was really never taught this really positive way of looking at Torah I was taught many good things love God love your neighbor I want to be fair but it wasn't until you know you kind of relearn some things get a new perspective on even how to view the Torah and that it's not two separate testaments, but it's one revelation of who God is and his instruction for a godly life. That's when I had significant change. That's why when we read through Devarim, whether it's last week's Torah portion, this week's, next week's, that message is over and over and over and over. Don't forget the Lord your God, obey its misfot obey the Torah. That's why it's hammered in. And this message is continued, it's almost hidden in a way here when you read it in First Timothy. You can kind of just read right through there and assume Timothy's talking about a singular command of something else. Maybe he's talking about loving your neighbor, I'm not sure. Not realizing this was the way they talked about Torah um, in a colloquial way. People need this. This, uh, this uh, revelation. Um, this, this way of just drawing a little bit closer to him. We read this revelation, we read in Deuteronomy in the Psalms and Proverbs, that Torah, this, uh, the Tanakh, it is a source of life. People in this world, in this day and age, need this. People are not so drunk off their prosperity that they can't see past themselves. Not everybody. There's still a lot of people in need out there. People are seeking something deeper, seeking something they know will help them grow closer to him. I usually get to the practical application part of the message right around this time, where I try to give you all maybe some encouragement, um, some blessing for your life, and some practical advice. And it is. I mean, I can do that. We should all be ready to help engage people um, in learning and in friendship. But I, I guess I would like to close with telling you a little bit about some of the practical application our ministry is involved with and that we've been doing partially because it got a little time to fill and it didn't have time to shoot an email out to everybody but this is what we're doing. We as a ministry, supported by you beloved friends and family are growing and developing new ways to connect with people to help people see all the wonderful things in this Torah. Right? This is The Torah is something that can help people uh, hit that new cycle in their life, you know, where they can, uh, all of us have that moment where it's like, that's when I hit Torah. That's when Torah hit me, made a change. And we'd all like to be able to have an effect on people like that. And we try on our friends and our coworkers here and there. But as a community, communally, we are making new efforts to do that here at Adad Kaim. We're developing a new website, which includes live streaming. Live streaming aspirations, of course. We have ministry partnerships going on. Um, some other stuff on the horizon. These are not just wishes or pipe dreams. I mean, the ball is rolling on this. I've been, the last couple of weeks, hours and hours of meetings in development with the, uh, our developer. And it's all in an effort to Um, Just take the blessings that we've gotten, this knowledge of the wisdom of Torah that has produced a new life within all of us, changed our lives at one point, and be able to share that in a greater way using the tools that we have. These are more tools for the sake of the kingdom. The Torah worldview, very impactful on our lives, and uh, it's because of all your generosity and blessing our community, of course, that collectively we're going to be able to help people find that new cycle in their life. Much more on that to come. Much more as we roll into the High Holy Days and the month of Elul is going to be coming in the next week or two. Um, a lot of news of, uh, of the activities that we've been doing, efforts for the sake of his kingdom um, that we're very excited about is coming soon, all uh, for just for the basic the basic desire to further his kingdom, which is also helping bringing people closer to him. May all our efforts, individually and collectively, be something that brings blessing and new insight and revelation to many people. Again, for the sake of his kingdom and for his glory, may our intentions be pure um, and aligned with his will. Many blessings to you all. Shabbat shalom.